Hot round! Red 7, Red 7, Red 7! Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. Hot round! I don't. What is hot round? Will you just go stand on the other side, please? Billy Bob! This is it! The man who got us here. You ready? You don't think that lame ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bop halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide open tailback. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch. Nom, 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 nom. I need that ball. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. Are you gonna get me the oh, ball? Oh, I'll get you the ball! I hope he doesn't kill somebody. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's gonna make the difference between winning and losing. Between living and dying. I got a whole lot of money. Tell it for me. Bottle keep popping that water bath. Welcome into 11 personnel, Nick Roush and Adam Luckett coming at you in the middle of a busy part of July on the heels of an eventful 4th of July weekend that uh, will not go down in the history books as one of Kentucky's most successful football recruiting weekends. Um, but as we're seeing today, uh, the Cats, they, 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 they are completely lost in the woods. So a, a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel during a kind of a crazy recruiting time. Yeah, uh, scrambling a little bit uh, here, I think it's a fair term. Um, I think last podcast we talked, it's been a little bit, we talked about where is Kentucky right now as, as a recruiting operation in the class of 2023. And we said but pretty much behind, but there's time to make up. Took some hits this week, um, but they closed really well today, um, being Wednesday, July 6th. Avery Stewart just committed to Kentucky. Four-star defensive back. I mean, not only four-star, Nick, like within that draft range. So within, you know, there's 262 picks in the NFL draft. He's within the 300 range. Um, on three is a little bit higher on him than the, the rest of the industry. They have him kind of as a fringe top 150 prospect. But this is a huge win, right? I mean, this is a blue chip recruiting win in the SEC footprint, the traditional SEC footprint. We've seen Kentucky obviously recruit at home, obviously going to high all-lands players, going to Detroit and have a lot of success. But it, going down south and getting players has not been – this type of caliber of player has not been very easy. Uh, but now it's three years in a row where they've gotten a player like this. Trevin Wallace, 2021. Last year you go into Nashville, you get – you get Keaton Wade, you get Barry and Brown, and then this year you're able to go into Montgomery, Alabama, Auburn's backyard. Uh, that area of Alabama is a place Florida State recruits a lot. Florida State really wanted this kid. You beat up Florida State for Avery Stewart, and he's coming in at a position of need. Cornerback, we all know about cornerback. We've talked about it eight trillion times. What they need to get better, they need to get better at cornerback. This is how you get better. Mm -hmm. You go and you land players up of this caliber. And so there's a really a lot to be excited about, I think, uh, with this commitment. We'll get into some other other stuff that's that's going on, but this this is a big one. Like on December, it wins slash if he signs, it's it'll be one of the biggest talking mm -hmm. points because of all, all those things, because of the caliber of player he is, because of the position he's at, 
um, and because of how, how big of a need uh, they have on the roster right now for for players at that position. Well, and you, uh, one of the guys too that was in a similar position last year, Jacoby Albert, you know, uh, from Birmingham, who played defensive back. Uh, Frank Buffano was kind of in on him. It was it was, it was mostly John Summerall, but I know uh, Buffano uh, really contributed there at the end, and you. you you needed to see more from some of these other assistant coaches, especially a guy like Buff who'd been in that role now. I think this is going on year three or is it year that's two? That's right. I think, yeah. I think it's year three. I think 2020 was his first year. So to, to start seeing some results is important. And um, what Avery Stewart will be at Kentucky, the good news is, is he does have a, a, a little bit of wiggle room. You know, he, he is uh, – he lines up at a bunch of different positions uh, at Alabama Christian Academy in Montgomery. He's got the size that Kentucky likes in a corner at 6'2", 175. But when he's playing safety, I mean, I, I, I just love guys that line up 10 yards off the ball and they don't backpedal when the ball is snapped. They stay Similar. put, they move forward, and they're not afraid to, to create contact in the box. Similar mold to Alex Fari. Yeah, I, I, I didn't want to – uh, put that out there, but uh, you know, uh, but, but that's that's exactly what I was thinking. Where it's like, okay, here's a long guy where you you bring him in, you kind of see where he fits, where you need him, and you can do some, you can do a lot with him. Uh, and also, Afari was around the same recruiting range, right? In the consensus rankings, yeah, he was right around two fifty. I think he ended up at like two fifty two, two sixty two, mm-hmm. around there. Uh, they've only had landed three secondary players of this caliber. Uh, this high ranking in the Stoops era. It's him and it, it's uh, Fari and Edwards. Fari and Asian, this high. Uh, Mike was down towards 300, and Darius West was down right around that area with him. Okay. But in general, like this is just, they don't get, and it, especially if this kid can be a true cornerback, they don't get true cornerbacks this highly rated. They just haven't in the decade of Mark Stoops. Transfer portal with Boss Man, but that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's the kind of talent I think you're getting here. Like, I think there's there's potential to play as a true freshman. I'm not start as a true freshman, but play. Mm-hmm. And potential to, you know, be a second-year starter for Kentucky at cornerback. I mean, there's a lot, a lot, a lot to like here. And we bro- we've broken it down in the film rooms up at KSR, the commitment posts up at KSR. Mm-hmm. But this is a huge, huge, huge thing to recover from the Christian Conyer yeah. Yeah. decision. And for we can get a Conyer here in a minute, but – I really do want to stress, like, Buffano doing this, it's a big damn deal. Like, to have him be able to go down there and recruit a player of this caliber, it's it's just – it's a big damn deal. We were wondering who is going to be the next guy to really kind of get these top-of-the-line players. You lost it with Clink Scale, and so you're kind of losing that Michigan pipeline. Wolford was potentially a guy that could have done that for you. He's gone, and obviously Summerall's gone. So now you're wondering who the next guy can be to kind of recruit these caliber of players. And Buffano doing this, getting Avery Stewart and being able to close on him, it's just – it's a big, it's a big, big deal. Yeah, and I, especially for uh, the timing, and I, it isn't – narratives aren't everything in recruiting. It is about results. Well, they, but, they are in July. I mean, yeah. that's – I mean, it's just they drive talking points. So, uh, here for a month, you just got to <laughs> – you guys well, survive and, that. And especially when your rivals have done so well. Tennessee, Louisville, uh, Tennessee gets an in-state guy from Kentucky. And 
I don't know how hard UK was pressing for Caleb Perry, but for the most part, Kentucky and Tennessee want kids from the state of Kentucky. They've all gone to Kentucky. And that changed when Christian Conyer announced his commitment. And I, I knew when that happened that it would It was turn a pressure into, point. It would, there was it no was getting gonna, around that. It was going to turn into – my radio show on Tuesday, I was like, gosh, this is going to be – this is going to be a big damn mess. But if you put the prospects on paper, Avery Stewart is a significantly better talent. Yes. And that that's not sour grapes. I mean, it's just by any measure standard you want to use. He, he's, he's a better prospect. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, Kentucky got that win. And what I think is also significant too, like it, is there weren't people putting in predictions for Stewart until like July 4th. There was there was a the the on three RPM had uh, had a Florida State lane there for a while. He's been pretty quiet in his recruitment. Uh, we hadn't heard much from him, just talking in general. So uh, for Kentucky to it, things looked a little dim there, a little dismal um, after the Fourth of July weekend. You, you you pile up a couple of commitments, and then you've got a chance to get a few more on the horizon. Uh, and I, I'll just go ahead and, and list those off. Kendrick Gilbert is expected to announce his decision tomorrow, uh, and, and I think the coaches are pretty confident Kentucky can land a commitment from the four-star defensive lineman from Indianapolis Cathedral. Uh, you've also got Kobe Keenum, one of the best centers in America, who essentially is down to Louisville and Kentucky. Uh, there's a lot of momentum for Kentucky, and that decision's happening Saturday. you got Anthony Brown next Saturday as well a four-star receiver. Uh, that one looks like it's a Kentucky or Cincinnati battle. Um, so after seemingly going one for three, we, we can mention the other guys, but they kind of went one for three, fourth of July weekend. You can turn that around and go three and oh, or four and oh, and start, 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 uh, start piling up some wins. Yeah. Be now it's some nice head to head recruiting wins. Um, in that stretch as well. Um, I do want to say this about Kobe Keenum. Um, he seems to be a heavy Kentucky lean at this moment in time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, we are expecting on Saturday, July 9th, that he's probably going to flash it all down and wear a Kentucky cap. Oh, that'd be great. Uh, but I do want to say this. Like, Kobe Keenum's a three-star recruit ranked in the 700s right now in the our on-three consensus. But I have him – like, if I was ranking prospects, he would be up there with Shamar Porter and Avery Stewart as a prospect to me. Okay. I think this kid is, like, legitimate, real deal, good. Like, he, I, I can see this kid being a multi-year starter in the SEC and getting drafted. Which is, like, the most – It's and he is – he fits the profile of a Kentucky offensive lineman, right. you know. <laughs> it's just – He's going to play center at Kentucky. He's going to – and he's going to kind of consider – our continue that that strong like center lineage they have right now right you know it's gone they've had a lot of good centers roll through here um, I think there's a lot to like about him I think that's and I you know I, it's easy for me to say this now but I would say the same thing if Louisville would have got him mm-hmm. this is a big this is a big deal landing him and for Zach Yenzer another new coach like I think yeah. he's doing some really good things on the recruiting yeah. trail um, we we haven't we haven't kept our thoughts organized, but yeah, that is a good. I mean, between so Yenzer was, I mean, he was the big guy driving the Khalifa Keith train. That three star running back committed on Monday. Uh, he had the most recent commitment before that in Austin Ramsey, and then now uh, to be able to get Keenum over Louisville, that was going to be uh, look at 
if if Keenum doesn't pick Kentucky, which I'm I'm feeling very confident about, but that was going to be my a lot of people were up in arms over Nil over Conyer. That was going to be mine if 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 because there's no no justifiable reason an offensive line school like Kentucky should lose somebody they want to a program like Louisville where their quarterback is their leading rusher because he's running for his life. There's just no, there's just nothing. Uh, that would have been my, like, I've got to go on a nil rant for two days kind of thing. Uh, but uh, hopefully we don't have to cross that bridge because the nil takes their fast and furious and not a lot of people, like it's just, it's just unclear what the hell's going on over there. Uh, but I, I'm glad that we got an Avery Stewart announcement for Kentucky because it settles the waters a little bit. And here's the thing too, like it, uh, you, you mentioned the Enzer and Buff closing. They, they did do a good job getting guys on campus. Now closing time. Um, so pick up your, this is where, it, this is where you make your money. I mean, this is <laughs> from both sides now. All yeah. right. Closing time. Yeah. On the player side and the, and the coach side, this is where it's just the separator. Um, a lot of people get dudes on campus. It's can you get the commitments? Can you get the signatures? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was good to see. Another thing I do want to mention, um, Josh Edwards at 24-7 Sports had an interview with Keenum um, where he talked about, like, Drake Jackson and the relationship he had with Drake. Like, got to know Drake on the visit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's big, too. Um, I think we all think Drake's got a pretty bright future in coaching. Yeah. That's that's an important cog, I think, to Kentucky operation there too on the offensive line. So, uh, shout out Drake Jackson for doing some good mm-hmm. things here too. So yeah, I, center and he's a center, selling center at the place yeah, he played. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kendrick Gilbert, if we're just rolling out forecasts, I don't I don't have a good feel on him. But you mentioned Josh Edwards; he has a pick in. Um, maybe I should kick those Purdue tires because Purdue seems like, I mean, they're in that school quite a bit. I believe David Bell was a Cathedral guy. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, uh, so, uh, yeah, he, I'm pretty sure he was. Yeah, so that, he was there. Warren Central. It was a school in Indy, though. Yeah, uh, and LSU. Brian Kelly was recruiting him at Notre Dame, and they stayed on him at LSU. So that could be another significant recruiting. Just from a tool standpoint, I just I really like uh, yeah Gilbert as that five tech and a three four bigger body. Six. Six four six five has a reported six eleven wingspan. So yeah. probably, probably two sixty two seventy. I mean, there's a lot from a trade standpoint. I think to really like there. Yeah, yeah. Um, now to reverse. So if if all that good news happens, then it does erase some of the bad news because man, they're for a little bit lucky. We were just. I felt like uh, uh, not bad luck, Chuck, but the kind of it was just, it was just one freaking hit after another. I mean, you have first you have Conyer where. That one, I mean, folks at Kentucky were confident after his official visit that that commitment was going to happen, that he was going to pick Kentucky. And even when things flipped back and forth, uh, they still remained confident. And then uh, to, to peel back the curtain a little bit, we're doing a kitchen remodel. So it's 4th of July weekend. They got all the deals. You got to go to Lowe's. You got to get – I was at Lowe's for two and a half hours. And about halfway through, it's like, all right, well, I guess I'm not going to be home for this commitment. I'm going to – but I got to be on my phone. I, I want to see what the hell's going on. And we have the notification set up, or at least I did on my phone. And Christian Conyers tweeting at Vince Merrill five minutes before he's supposed to go live. 
weird, weird tweet. And it's like, well, Vince had some said something along the lines of, uh, I'm about to go to my daughter's wedding. I'm going to be the best day of my life. And he just tweeted, okay. And it was like a video of people partying. And I didn't know if that was, I thought it was good news like it. Why else would he be tweeting Vince Mara before his decision about party? It's still, I, 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 you don't know what a 17-year-old kid means. It did not mean that. It did not mean that at all. Um, and he, he ends up picking Tennessee instead. That was a, it was a weird. It was a quote-unquote ghost tweet. Whoa. I think that's what he said. You didn't see what Conyer No, no. Said? What's uh, a ghost he, tweet? I'm guessing it's like a you know an accident, like he accidentally hit sent on something. Maybe I don't know. Oh no, Maybe. that's dude. Just own up to it, man. You were talking shit. Like that's that's exactly what you were doing, Christian Kanye. Because the I believe Vince got told like he fired that tweet off right before Kanye told him that it was going to be Tennessee or something along those lines. So I think Vince was trying to get or he out was ahead trying of to def- it. Yeah, or deflect. Yeah, and then Kanye was just like, okay, sure, and was just throwing a jab back. Either yeah. way, freaking recruiting, it's it's a hilarious game we play. <laughs> it doesn't get much more ridiculous than that. Yeah, here's what he said. This is this has no – this was actually to our, to our guy, Troy Howe, um, because Troy Howe re- respond, replied and was like – or quote tweeted it because he's – Kanye has now deleted that tweet. Um mm-hmm. Troy, much like me, was like, since I am too old to understand kids sometimes, can someone in high school let me know what this means? <laughs> Thinking maybe that 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 specific gift or whatever it was had a meaning, I guess. Which yeah, it, it could totally be a meme thing that we just don't know about. Some yeah. some video that's popular. Yeah, it's not some on TikTok. But it's a yeah. this has no meaning, exclamation point. It was an accidental ghost message, exclamation point. That's it. Three exclamation points. Terrible timing, exclamation point. Nothing but respect for Coach Merrill and the entire staff, exclamation point, exclamation point, 100 emoji, 100 emoji. <sighs> so, I, I don't I don't. I mean, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I was, that was a new one for me. Oh, and, and I love my, the exclamation points, too. Just really driving it home. <laughs> but, any, like, we talked about this. Conyer, for whatever reason, he felt like a Tennessee lean for a long time. I thought the signs were there. I'd heard that Kentucky closed really strong, so I changed, I put in a pick for Kentucky because of that. Uh, but apparently it was just the, the Lord of Tennessee uh, was too much. Uh, I think I think he had people in his close circle probably pulling him more towards Tennessee. And so that's where he ends up. But at the end of the day, like we talked about on a few podcast episodes, this is a three-star cornerback. Like, you want to keep him because it's Kentucky versus Tennessee for an in-state prospect. But you're going to be able to find other options on the recruiting trail if you miss on this kid. Um, and so, who knows? You know, there's an NIL scu- um, scuttlebutt going on <laughs> around the football program right now. Do they have money? Do they not have money? Mm-hmm. Maybe that opened up some cap space, Nick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and maybe it allowed you to close harder on Avery Stewart, which in the long run, it's probably going to be a, a, be- a I better. I would yeah. bet on that being a bigger win. Um, yes. So, uh, long run, it, it could help things. Um, but I do think, like, they're behind. And I don't think NIL is the only reason why. I think it's probably part of the issue. Um, but, you know, you look at 
where they were in past classes to where they are now. It's not where they were. Um, but the Stewart, Avery Stewart news could be a good jump in the right direction. Um, they still got a lot of work to do. Um, if they get Keenum, their average star rating is going to be 86.81 for the consensus. That's typically a 35 to 40 class is where you would fall at the end if you're in that range. Which is about average. Um, yeah, but yeah. But you bow, but it's not 2017 anymore. Like their their expectations should be higher now. I think. I don't think it's like you, they need to be shooting for top 30 uh, or right at that. Um, so that that that's right. That it's a step in the right direction, but it's, there's still a lot of work to go. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I I see what you're saying. They're on the fringe of where they want to be, um, and it just depends. I think in part how big they want the class to be, and are they able to get some of the big guys down this like like getting an Arvell Reese. Or um, a Grant Godfrey, you know, like Neo, the, Neo Avery. Yeah, like those, those are big ones down the stretch that can that can bump you up even further. Um, and you know, uh, you can also hit the transfer portal for for a lot of stuff too. To to as, at least as far as your additions go later on down the stretch. Uh, but. At least getting, you know, starting to pile up some wins down. It would just feel nice. It would feel real nice. Um, but especially because after Conyer, Conyer wasn't the only one. Uh, we had a couple surprise decisions. Carmelo English, he canceled his July 2nd decision day. Yeah, that like, was odd. We're like, oh, this is great. He's pushing it back. Gives Kentucky a little bit more time. I don't know if that was Michigan, if that was Kentucky. But, hey, he got a little extra rope and then – Seemingly out of nowhere, he commits on July fourth to Auburn. Um, uh, that was that was something else. Um, yeah. Just I think keep that's. Him warm. I mean, that's all you can really do with him right now. Right, right. And then you, you add into there too, Jaden Robinson. Uh, we thought he was a South Carolina lane, and then he inexplicably popped out of nowhere July fourth too. So you had two surprise four star guys that you officially visited. You were considered, I, I think, in all of those. In, in the three losses, you were second place in all of them. And Re- yeah, just reading, tea, reading tea leaves on those two, that, that, that smells like both those schools push for commitments. Yeah. We're just they like, wanted- well, you, you know, you, you need to commit here. Um, we need you to be locked in. If you're not locked in, we may have to look at other options. So we need to know if you're, if you're riding with us or not. Especially with English. Especially with English. That, that, that's what both of those seem like to me. Because Jaden Robinson was talking about how, you know, his recruitment wasn't over. He wanted, he still wanted to go see Michigan in September mm-hmm. for another OB, and then he was going to make a decision after that. That was his plan to make a de- decision late September, early October, and then out of nowhere he commits on Fourth of July. Um, Carmelo English cancels his announcement, says he needs more time. What do you just need? Forty-eight hours. <laughs> um, so that, that that's just what that smells like. I haven't seen any reporting on that. Or anything, no. but that's just what that kind of seems like on both cases. That seems more logical than the the Auburn Live report we had that July second wasn't the date, but July fourth was. It's like no, that's that's not that's nothing there. But um, yeah, so I don't think Robinson will be ultimately in Kentucky's class. I think they have a lot of options at linebacker. Nothing against James Robinson, but they got a guy like four or five guys that are around the same caliber. Um, when you look at like a Stanquan Clark mm-hmm. and Arvell Reese, um, Marcellus Pulliam, and a Grant Godfrey. I mean, they got a lot of guys there that could play off ball linebacker yeah. that they're yeah. in on. So they're going to get 
one or two there and feel pretty good about it. So they're still in a good spot there. But English is still a big fish, I think, for them because um, he's the best, I think, slot receiver they're in on. So they, they're going to want to push for him, I think, coming down yeah. the stretch. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. We need to also touch on the guy who did commit on 4th of July, Khalifa Keith, three-star running back from – I don't know why I keep saying George. I guess because he got the Georgia Tech offer. I don't know why that's in my brain. They're building a little Alabama pipeline here, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but his his tape, it, 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 he was another one. Florida State had an offer out. Georgia Tech did. Played running back slash linebacker, which is a very rare. I think even on three initially had him rated as a linebacker. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a very rare combo. But that dude's got freaking tree trunks for legs. I mean – built to run between the trenches. You're getting ready to lose Chris Rodriguez. Uh, Rodriguez and Benny Snell each had similar recruiting ranks. Each had similar um, profiles, if you will. It's like, here's a big guy. He runs well. We don't know how well that translates to the SEC. And then the culture, the the scheme, everything, the stars align perfectly at Kentucky. Maybe, maybe lightning strikes the third time with Khalifa Keith. Yeah, I think this guy's actually – but the one difference is this guy's kind of – he's bigger than both of them. Like, he's listed at 6'1", 6'2". Uh, both C-Rod and Benny were under 5'11". Mm-hmm. And I think – I really do think Keith could get – I mean, he, he's probably going to play 235 at Kentucky. Uh, and <laughs> that's, that's, a, grown, that's a grown-ass man right there, okay? <laughs> and – but – like running backs are running backs, right? Like all these guys that you're recruiting at this level, they should all be putting up numbers and tape. Right. Um, so that, that, I mean, that's kind of, you got to know, like it, it really comes down to what you, what, what you look for and what you value in a running back. Um, so, but with Keith, I thought he showed some interesting wiggle movement ability as a bigger back. He's making guys kind of miss and slide in a hole. He's got good vision. Um, and he's intrigued. I, I caught him intriguing. I, I mean, I could see him really turning into something. Uh, but I think it's interesting, you know, doing a one-two punch here with him and Caden Mormon. Caden Mormon's another bigger back. He's probably going to play at 215, 220 at Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Like, I think there's a thought process because of how they struggled last year, specifically with Rodriguez, that maybe you need a slider build more slasher types, uh, running backs, um, some would call all-purpose to run this. And I don't think you do. I think you can run this, what you what you want to run with big backs. You just have to have a specific skill set to do it. And well, I think, and I think you, you also need a running back who can see it. This kid's got good vision. Yeah. The t- like his first two runs, it's it's a going outside, cut back, mm-hmm. make two guys miss, and then go downfield. Yeah. And obviously, I think they've made a concerted effort to add speed, uh, specifically at receiver. But at the same time, they still want to be big and physical. And you're seeing that with some of the offensive line targets and then some of these running back targets. Like, there's still going to be a we're going to, you know, jam it down your throat aspect to this mm-hmm. offense, um, even with Rich Gangarello coming on. So, I just thought that was interesting. That, that, that These are the two backs they're, they're riding with. And, I, I mean, I, I don't think it's a bad strategy, personally. Um, especially if, you, if you're planning on le- – you're planning on having a passing offense that can provide explosives talk about all the time then you can get your efficiency from the running game best way to do that is get some of these um big backs who can fall forward and keep you ahead of the chains mm-hmm. 
You mentioned C-Rod. This week, too, we had his legal case reach a resolution uh, where he uh, did accept a plea deal for DUI. I, I, don't, I don't have the specifics pulled up in front of me, but it involves a fine, suspended license for four to six months. Um, and I think he's up doing alcohol class. But that at least has put an end to that uh, aspect of things. The other stuff, we don't know, but we do know that SEC Media Days is coming up, and that's going to be the first question Mark Stoops has asked. Well, I mean, it's July 6th. <laughs> the season is almost less – it's like 60 days away now. 59 days away, to be 59 precise. days away. I think it's pretty obvious he's, they're planning on him playing this year. Yeah, it's just a matter of how much. There's probably going to be a suspension, and where does it come? But, I, yeah, I would – so, yeah, we'll see. I mean, that's that's really going to be the next news just down there in Atlanta, uh, whatever Soup says about it. Which brings us to some other news. But, actually, we, we need to take a break, and I need to inform you there's some breaking news. Baker Mayfield getting traded to the Panthers. I like it. For a conditional fifth-round pick. Interesting. Interesting. The QB dominoes have been interesting this offseason, both NFL and college. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for Baker. That Brown situation, what a damn mess. They are such a mess. I'm trying to uh, think who the pan, what their receiver core is there in Carolina. Oh, it's not good. <laughs> now they got uh, – they still have DJ Moore? I think they got rid of him this year. Let's see. No, he's still there. They got DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson. I like Terrace Marshall. Um, Tommy Trimble, that Notre Dame guys are tied in. Uh, Robinson had already, or Robbie Anderson had already tweeted, not tweeted, but commented on Instagram posts like, no, which I think Baker Mayfield, he gets way too much crap. I mean, he, he, he was a part of a playoff win for the Cleveland Browns. Like, (laughs) they kind of rebuilt their offensive line here. Yeah. Yeah. But now I'm seeing Ben McAdoo's offensive coordinator now there, or there now. The old, you remember that old guy, the Giants? You had the the cheesecake factory menu. I don't know if you remember him, Nick. He he would just he just got fired by the Giants not too long ago, and he's kind of a running joke. Oh. So that, that might not be good. Well, we got plenty of them. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, good for Baker. Get to see. Uh... My thing is, if you're one of the top 32 QBs in the NFL, I would like to see you starting games for a team. So to make my Sundays more enjoyable. So I'm all yes. for that. Yes, I'm I'm all for it. Um... Speaking of bakers, we got a little little baby baker coming. Like it, how are we how are we feeling in the home stretch? It, it, it could be any day now. Are you, are you are we nervous? I wouldn't say nervous. It's more just like surreal. Like oh, my wife's nine months pregnant. Taylor's nine months pregnant. Oh wow! Like we're gonna any like day now. We could grab that hospital bag and head to the head to the where the babies are made. So uh, yeah, it's. Really, we're ex- I think we're more – like, obviously, when you get in it, it's probably going to be a little nerve-wracking. Uh, but I think we're both ready just for it to be here. Oh, the, 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 the final – I know what you mean, where there is some nervous excitement to it. it I mean, it's uh, – to draw a comparison that I'm sure all the women listening are very happy. It really is just kind of the start of the football season kind of deal where you're like, I don't know what – I, I don't yeah, – I already got my Phil still here, so I'm ready to go. <laughs> But it is one of those things where you spend all this time preparing, but yes, you don't really know until you know, and you actually get to experience it. 
Um, I mean, the, the comparisons I don't think are that bad, but you you have a generally a good idea, and then you get into you get into playing the game, and it's a whole different ball game. But you know what? You, you'll you'll swim, you'll swim. You'll be doing just fine here before you know it. Yeah, I think we'll I think we'll be fine. But yeah, I just it's the un, like we're in the land of the unknown, right? You don't mm-hmm. like they tell us what's going to happen, but you don't really know until you know. So that's where we're all right now. Well, um, I've got my Phil still just in case too. So, or at least I ordered it. It's on the way. Phil, we, we got to cut down on shipping, man. Shipping like costs half the magazine. Two like, weeks from media days. Yeah. 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 Um, Freddie and I'll be down there for that. It'll be exciting. Um, and th- that, that does get us to our program alert where there will be plenty of podcasts down at SEC media days, but luck it's going to be uh, juggling dad duties. So uh, we'll have plenty of Kentucky football content. But taking maybe a little hiatus off this feed. So uh, there's plenty of KSR podcasts out there. Check the KentuckySportsRadio.com and you'll keep that updated throughout the week. Uh, but we're going to take a brief break, come back, talk about the latest in the running back room, and uh, and much more. Lucky we were talking earlier about Chris Rodriguez. What does it mean? Well, Ramon Jefferson, the FCS All-American from Sam Houston State, he revealed that he's going to use his final year of eligibility at the University of Kentucky. I think that got some folks worried about Chris's fate and what that might be, how long he might be out. I hadn't, you know, I, I've got no indication from that side that people are are worried. And um, mostly, I, if it's going to hurt anybody, I feel like it's going to hurt smoke, right? Like this dude... He's a pretty, pretty. Uh, I don't want to say boom or bust, but he's a big play back, and I, I would think he would take some carries from Mr. Cavassier Smoke. Yeah, and, he, and Mike uh, Jernan too. You know, both those guys. I would, I would assume, right? It's the ultimate, like Chris Rodriguez insurance in case. Maybe he's out for two games. Maybe he's out for six games. Yeah. So, so that you go ahead and grab this guy, super senior. He's been all over the place. Play with Cohen. <laughs> yeah, like one year, one year under Cohen at Maine. Went to junior college, Sam Houston State. Won a national championship. Played in a lot of big games at Sam Houston State. Um, last year, he had an elite PFF grade in the nineties, which is really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, he was efficient and explosive as a runner. Um, he's never really been injured. He's produced every season. I mean, his career averages right at six yards per carry. All right, carry. Obviously, it's lower level. Right. Right. But there's I think there's a lot to like here with him as being a pretty high, high floor type player for you. He ran all of that outside zone stuff, too. He ran you some know, outside zone stuff at yeah. Sam Houston. Yeah, they're just I think there's a lot to like with him. It makes sense. Um, it's just interesting when you look at like the scholarship distribution at running back. Mm-hmm. They, they got just, a lot of them. They've and we've had we've talked about their they've added two, but they kind of needed that because they're gonna lose Jefferson, probably C Rod and Smoke this year. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, like if Drennan doesn't play this year, Nick, that, that feels like potential transfer candidate. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so so we'll see there. But yeah, I mean it's just like and then they go that same day, we find <laughs> out they add uh Tennessee transfer D Beckwith, who's also kind of a Jumbo athlete who I think is going to be kind of in the running back room. So they got eight scholarship players there. Yeah. Was, I mean, it's going to be interesting. He was listed at running back. And when you first saw that, you're like, what the hell? But 
he's not lining up and taking handoffs. I mean, if he is, yes. it's as a he's fullback. He's not playing tailback. Yes, yes. Yeah. If it is, he's a fullback. He's an H-back. And this one feels like more of a long-term solution where you'll use Justice Dingle and tight ends this year um, while he figures things out, and then he's your guy next year. That's what it at least feels like to me because he's played in two years at Tennessee. He played multiple spots. Um and never really found a home. They can give him a home here, but how quick will he take on to it? I don't know. But I will say, just his accolades in general, um, the numbers he put up at Florence High School in Alabama were insane as a high school senior. He, he was just suffer. a four-star. Um, I mean, he played quarterback, running back. He caught passes. I mean, dude is an absolute athlete. It's just trying to find the right spot for him to thrive. And uh, if anybody can do it, I'm confident that Rich Gangarello in this kind of hybrid fullback tight end role, whatever you want to call it, can, can be a nice spot for deep back with. Yeah. I think it's pretty clear, though, that we're going to see a lot of two-back formations. Like, you're going to mm-hmm. see 21 personnel. You're going to see 22 personnel. Um, and then 12. I think what this may be – like, they had to play Isaiah Cummings a lot at H-back last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did some things. Obviously, like the run in South Carolina, the touchdown run, everybody knows that. That was awesome. He helped spring um, a run. But Chris Rodriguez's biggest run against Louisville. I threw that in the post when I kind of broke down where Deep Beckwith might play. Um, so he did a lot of stuff for them. Um, maybe this – they don't need him to do that stuff now, now that they got Dingle and Beckwith. Um, but I think overall it's just a philosophy that they're going to do a lot of, like, kind of two-back stuff. Uh, and then they're going to – you know, they're help they're hoping this wrinkle will maybe give some defenses problems because defense in the SEC don't see a lot of this stuff. No. Um, that they're no. gonna run. And then also when the play action game, I think they they think probably they're gonna be able to sneak their guys out here and create some wide open situations. A little throwback so, action. Yeah. So it's just gonna be um I'm just very interested to see how it all plays out. Cause really like what his position is is gonna be kind of that uh, somewhere in the middle of being that H-back slash fullback, right? Right. Something like that. It also makes you think, like, if Khalifa Keith got too big, because I mentioned I think he's going to be pretty big. Yeah, he could do that too. They maybe slide him to there. And so it's going to be very, very, very fascinating, I think, to see how this plays out with Scangarello over time. But, like, for him to stick here, you'd have to keep him for a while. Yeah. Rich, right? So. Well, Stoop said it's a two-year plan. Yeah, so. so – Let's see. Let's see how this all plays out. Yeah, yeah. Um, which n- perfect, perfect segue. Lucky, you're the king of segues today. Let's yeah. see how this all plays out. Let's spin the conference realignment <laughs> wheel. Buzz. I mean, just when we thought we we knew there was going to be another big move at some point, but UCLA and USC to the Big Ten didn't. <laughs> I don't know about you, Lucky. Didn't see that one being the first or the next big step, uh, bringing the Los Angeles schools from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten. Um, but the the top two are distancing themselves from the rest of the pack, and now everybody else is playing catch-up. And yesterday, so this would be Tuesday night, our, our guy Dennis Dodd, who – just objective journalist through and through. Never carried water for anybody who's ever given him scoop. He ha- said that there, the Big 12 was in, quote, deep discussions, which I don't know. Like a Watergate-type scoop. 
what 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 what's what differentiates deep discussions versus regular discussions? I don't know. Whenever I have a conversations with somebody, I don't say I'm having a. I, I guess a deep conversation would be an intimate one, but you probably wouldn't have an intimate conversation with somebody when talking realignment. Either heart way, to heart. <laughs> either way, what's weird about so Dodd reported the Big Twelve is wanting to be the aggressor to get the Arizona schools, Utah, and Colorado uh, make give themselves 16 to try to compete in numbers with the other two. They may not have the same prestige, but they would have the numbers, which would make sense. But why I don't buy it either is that anytime there's a, been a legit big move in the latest realignment, the move is uh, said and done. You know, like th- they've already announced everything by the time <laughs> – you know, that this is comes and goes. Yes. The, the Texas and Oklahoma thing happened on Wednesday at SEC Media Days, and it was finalized by Thursday. Same thing happened with USC, UCLA. So while it's, there's going to be some fun, crazy stuff in this next round of conference realignment, I'm I'm not as confident that the Big 12 is just going to raid the Pac-12 to, to make all this happen. My, my big take here is just we just got to wait and see how this plays out. Um, cause everybody wants to come up with the takes, wants to guess what's next and all that. And really it doesn't, it doesn't matter unless the ACC and Pac-12 do something stupid, um, which is very possible at, at the stage we're in. Um, but really what everyone's waiting, part two. What, That's what what everybody, <laughs> everyone's waiting on is Notre Dame to see what they do. But like the ACC has this grant of rights. These teams cannot get out of this grant of rights. I mean, they're locked into 2036 unless someone leaves or unless something big happens. I mean, they're pretty much uh, – they're kind of screwed, for lack of a better term, those ACC teams. Um, so they couldn't even move if they wanted to, um, at least right now. I mean, we'll see what happens. Uh, now, if Notre Dame moved, maybe they they that, that thing could fall apart. And then – the Big 12 has a chance to play offense here, and they've never really had a chance to play offense in realignment. It's always been 10 years ago, it was keeping Texas and Oklahoma away from the Pac 12. 10 years later, it's Texas, Oklahoma leave. It's finding replacements for them, um, making sure they don't dissolve. And now they have a chance. Like, I think it makes sense to add the Arizona schools, Utah, and Colorado. Like, you could have four sensible divisions in your conference. Um, all those schools are about the same, and it can make for a fun, a fun concept. And if you could get ESPN to get in on it, you can maybe you're not going to make the money as the big guys, but you could be the legitimate number three and be best suited mm-hmm. um, to hang around college you, you, football. You can be the American of the current Power Five. Yes, where you're not but, all the way on the outs, kind of, but you're close. And, and you're gonna probably gonna have a legit chance at making the playoff consistently, especially if it, it expands. Yeah, my my big takeaway from USC and UCLA, what makes me happy is I just want the Pac-12 to be ripped to shreds. Not because it's mostly just because of the Rose Bowl. Whoops, um, the Rose Bowl is what's holding up playoff expansion, and the quicker we Get that stupid thing not stuck on New Year's Day. I love the Rose Bowl. It's great being that day. But the college football playoff needs to be played on New Year's Day. And it they can't move forward without expansion while everyone is clinging onto that game. It's the, that holier-than-thou mentality. It just drives me nuts. But what I what I think is fascinating, Luckett, is that 
their unwillingness to work with the SEC on expanding that playoff, that might have been the domino that set all this in motion. Now, maybe it could have held things off. It, 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 it might have just held things off for another year or two. But that those expansion, the, the college football playoff expansion talks falling apart, I really feel like we're at the crux of this latest realignment shift. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of issues. Like Pac-12 has definitely been hesitant to put football first in some of their decisions. I think that's ultimately, along with that and their Larry Scott starting a network without a TV sponsor or TV partner, is really why they're they're dying. I mean, yeah. it's just, but the thirst for it is not. It's just not like it is in the southeastern portion of the state or in Big Ten country. It's just the thirst for college oh. football is not like it is. My parents are going out west next week, and when they go to a bar, the TV's not guaranteed to be on sports. It's just yeah. that's not how it's not how they operate out there. Yeah, it's just different, just yeah. different. Um, and so then you get into a weird spot like could Cal and Stanford not have a home? You know, it could be, mm-hmm. that could be weird. Like you would feel bad, like Washington State, Oregon State. Um, but then there's also the aspect that some of these states are going to the the legislature is going to get in the way. <laughs> and not let let them leave. I mean, it, yeah, so yeah. you got that to deal with. Oh, um, man. It's still a long way to go. Um, it feels like if Notre Dame just says, nah, we're good. You like might this stay is put just, for a bit. Yeah, we're just going to have this for three, four, five years. And then well, when the playoff come, push comes to shove, then maybe if you had to force Notre Dame to join one, then that's when things would get, get crazy. But that's really what they're the, – the Big Ten TV deal was supposed to be announced around Memorial Day weekend. It's gotten moved back, um, but they're signing a big deal with Fox. I mean, that's kind of the rumor. Um, it's going to be all Fox, like Fox, FS1, along with the Big Ten Network. It's all they're going to have every Big Ten game. Um, the reason they added USC UCLA is because that's what Fox wanted. Um, and so, and then ESPN obviously has all the SEC games moving forward. Uh, so you got those two powers kind of butting heads. Um, the only one who has any more room is really ESPN because they got every channel to fill. You got the plus, mm-hmm. plus their three channels, and they already own the ACC network. Um, so that's why you're hearing the stuff about an ACC and Pac-12 potential merger. Is Pac-12 can get on the ESPN. Um, they could maybe find something there. Um, so, but yeah, it's all just going to be how this all plays out. We're just going to have to wait and see. I don't like. There's a lot of like the popular take is like it's going to ruin college football. And I, I do think for some fan bases, it's going to be tough because I think what you're going to have is like a school like Louisville, potentially yeah. a school like Iowa state, mm-hmm. uh, Oregon state, like they're probably going to have to be independents and just play each other, play the other independents. Um, I still think these big two conferences are going to play non-conference games. Maybe you could play a couple of those and then you're just going to have to, you know, figure it out. But it's just going to be different, but it's still going to be like it's still going to be college football at the end of the day. But it's going to be a different college football than than you grew up on, right? Which is going to be inevitable, no matter what. Yeah, um, it's digging your heels in on change is tough, especially if you are a Louisville fan who you, you finally felt like you got in that big conference, and then ever since then you've been five hundred. You can't win your own conference basketball tournament. Yeah, um, it, yeah. The next three, four, five years, I think, are just going to be. Odd. Everybody looking over their shoulder who's not in the big leagues. Um, 
if you bunch if you of could, rumors. If you could pick four to go to the SEC, though, quickly, who who you, who you taking? Just from like a like like what like because you really have to ask yourself like who does who would ESPN want because that's who's making this decision. Mm-hmm. Um, so what like market or state would they want to get into? I think North Carolina is an obvious answer because they have yes. the, the networks in Charlotte. They don't have any. It, it just makes too much sense. So I feel like right. you have to do North Carolina, but do you do Duke too? Do you do, well, you, do you bring that basketball rivalry? Well, wouldn't Virginia make sense? You can get in the DC market. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or what? You know? Do you care to ha- like? Do you care at all about like? Because what 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 matters more, markets or brands? That's what I keep going back on. I, I would think the the brands like the helmets. Who's, yeah. who's staying to watch a game to watch a helmet more matters more than breaking into the DC market. Um, but I don't know. So it's like from a brand standpoint, like it makes pretty obvious sense. Like Clemson, Florida State, Miami. Mm-hmm. I mean, those, and then you can just add, you know, whoever, North Carolina or West Virginia or whoever you want. Um, but from that aspect, that would, like, if you're talking about people watching games, that's going to, that'll get more eyeballs than anything else. True. Yeah, I think I feel like Virginia Tech presents a, a fun wrinkle. Well, I want that for the road trip. Yeah, <laughs> for me, let's get Virginia Tech in let's here. Go so to I go to Blacksburg. Yeah. Well, and that fan base that you know that feels like an SEC kind of fan base. So well, uh, yeah, you, yeah, I think that's why West Virginia, like culturally, I think they would fit. Yeah, yeah. Clemson's Auburn with a lake. I mean that. I mean that <laughs> that makes like one hundred and ten percent like sense. That makes so much. It makes so much sense. Well, and, and honestly, a Virginia Tech makes more sense to me than a Florida State. I, that dope, that dope Campbell, that place is empty. You know, I, I know they've got the national yeah. championship without uh, you know with Jimbo, but yeah, but they, you got to think that's, from that Bobby move, Bowden. That move would probably rejuvenate that fan base a little bit. Yeah, I think it would be kind of similar to you know, maybe it could be maybe it's just the bump they need mm-hmm. to get things going. Yep. Well, like it. You've got to get out of here, but I've enjoyed jamming a lot of our midsummer news on the podcast. Um, best of luck in the delivery room. It's going to be a lot of fun. Pack some PB&Js. You're going to need it. <laughs> and um, your Phil Steel. You, you you can't leave that thing at home. you got to have a lot of time. It's already keep. going in the bag. No doubt. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. well, take it easy. And for everybody else, uh, go Cats and go Kroger. <laughs>